Praise God. We could have kept singing that a little bit more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. That's why we come here. Praise Him and worship His name. I will read a few scriptures. Look at some, um, some prayer needs in the church. And this will give us a lot to pray about. Look at that. Philippians 4. Verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 4, one more time, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Praise the Lord. Um, today we want to make mention of some needs in the church, some that are outside the church. Um, first on our list is uh, we need to pray for uh, two friends of Sister uh, Sister Burbage, recently being deployed to Afghanistan. We know what's going on there. Uh, they need our prayers. Those that are behind enemy lines need our prayers. Uh, there's many Christians in Afghanistan that need our prayers. We need Amen. to remember this nation, this country. Also, we need to remember Sister Beulah Powell. She has some issues with her sinuses. We need to remember Sister Laura May Skipper. We need, we need to remember her health. Sister Christina Coker, um, her dad. Something about him being on hospice. We need to remember the, the Knight family, also their family member, Elizabeth Duncan. She was uh, once a part of this church. She's going on to be with the Lord. We need to remember that family as well. Body Gun, Gun we need to continue to remember her. Uh, the Emperor's. Esper family, um, they got some people in their family battling COVID. Also, Brother Scarborough, he has a special request, special need. Um, also, many unspoken requests. There's many churches that are battling COVID, as y'all know, are aware. A lot of pastors, a lot of teachers that are dealing with uh, COVID. We need to remember those families as well. Um, also, the Amos family. And also we need to remember those that are in the path of that storm that's approaching the, the coast as we speak, I believe. And also the Cravens family and their sick one, Layla. Again, I'm going to give you all opportunity to pray. And that's, we're going to pray now and ask the Lord to touch every one of these needs. Touch our service. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful Good always, be, Lord, for your love, mercy, and grace. We're thankful, Lord, that whatever comes and goes, we can continue to trust in a mighty God. Father, we just pray, Lord, that it be implanted in the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord, that we can hold on, Lord, that we can make it to the end. Father, I just pray that you touch every need, Lord, those that are in hospitals, those that are sick, those that have gone on to be with the Lord, touch their family members as well. And Father, we'll be uh, careful, Lord, to praise you and thank you for all that you do, Lord. Touch this service today, Lord. I feel your spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you for that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you just have your way amongst your people. Touch the songs, touch the preaching of your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that everything that's said and done in this service today will bring you glory. And Lord, that it might be said among your people that we've been, we have been in the house of the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, again for your presence. I thank you for your love and mercy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning for worship.
will be a, probably a new praise course to some of you, but you'll catch on pretty quickly. It just says, someday soon I'm leaving. I'm going to a meeting around the throne. I'll shout my troubles over as soon as I move into my brand new home. So let's worship the Lord together. Well, one day soon, church, I believe it. I'm going to be around the throne. I'm going to shout my troubles over.
Father, we thank you today for your love, mercy, and grace. In the fullness of your grace and in the power of your name, you do lift us up. God, you are the very present help in time of trouble. You, the Bible, Lord, your word, not my words, your word says you're the glory and the lifter of mine head. God, we are living in a day and hour where we need you to lift up our heads. Your word says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and lift up your everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? It is the Lord mighty in battle. He is the Lord, strong and mighty. That's the kind of God that we serve today. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. Even when we feel like we can't go another step, you lift us up according to your word. So, Father, as we get ready to break the bread of life this morning and to hear from your word today, I pray you would bless the hearers and the doers thereof. 
We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the church together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord briefly for a moment. At this time, children, you are free to go to your humble places of abode. Go, go, go. Make sure you can go faster. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't want concussions. You can go, but go at a slow rate of speed. Just go. Let the Lord have his way in your life. Parents, please do me a very good. If you love your pastor at all, even if you don't love me, if you love God at all, do me a favor. Take your kids home with you. Sign them out. They have to be signed out. For, for security purposes, they have to be signed out. I do believe in the prophet of Sam, like the prophet Samuel, you can leave your kids at church, except I'm not Eli. I do not stay all day at church, so they're alone. So you better take your kids home. If not, they'll be here tonight. We'll see you at 6 o'clock. You can pick them up then, but they'll still be here. So please sign them out. Take them home with you. My philosophy is always this. You always can leave here with more than you brought, but nothing less than you brought with you to church. So... Whether you have cookies and extra children, I don't care, but don't leave less than what you brought. So if you had eight in the car, there needs to be eight people in your car when you go home today. Take them all home with you. So don't forget you can download uh, our church app today, and you can search uh, Santee Circle COG and follow along there. Don't forget you can give to church our tithe and offering boxes the back of the auditorium, as well as adjacent to the stage. We were getting ready to try to start passing the plate again, but COVID decided that it wanted to play games. <clears throat> so we're having to kind of be careful again a little bit just because the numbers are rising again. So we're trying to keep you safe still. If you didn't bring money with you, don't feel bad. There's more ways to still get it. So you can give it in the box this morning. You say, well, Pastor, I forgot my checkbook. That's okay. You can mail it. We do have mail here to 1211 North Highway 52. You can also go to the tithe.ly app and search Santee Circle COG or go to our website, SanteeCircleCOG.org. There's a big old button that says give. It means exactly what it says, give. That's what it means. When you click it, it'll give you all the information how to do it. It is secured. It is in a secure network. Nobody's going to like start siphoning money out of your account unless you tell us to. And if you do, we'll be glad to do that. But you... You have to approve it first. But there are four ways to give. So you can't say, well, pastor, I just don't have any way to give to God. There's plenty of ways. So if you don't want to give, it's just because you don't want to give. But the Bible does say God loves a cheerful giver. And he blesses that. You can also subscribe to our Google and Apple podcast, Santee Circle COG, and hear all of our services and all of that great and marvelous stuff. Even if you don't want to hear us, download it on your phone anyway and make us feel good about ourselves because it makes our numbers look better because we have more subscribers. So download it and just don't listen. But at least I think somebody's listening. So download it anyway. So it'll make me feel better. Santee Circle COG. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 20. Book of Revelation, chapter 20. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word and honoring His Word. Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to read down to verse 6. They'll have it on, my, on the screens to my right and to my left. 
So if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along there today. Revelation chapter number 20 began in verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in hand. He laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he bound him a thousand years. Anybody looking forward to the day the devil doesn't have any rule anymore? And he cast him into the bottomless pit, verse 3 says, and he shut him up. So if anybody ever says that God's not in control, just read that right there. He'll cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up. There will come a point God will get the final say-so. God's going to get the final word in. He shut him up. He put a seal upon him that he should deceive no longer. The nations of the world. Till the thousand years be fulfilled. And after that he would be loosed for a little season. Meaning for a thousand years it's going to be good. But then he's going to get a second chance. The devil's going to get a little bit season. But notice it's just for a little season. Not a big time. Just a little season. Verse 4. And I saw thrones. And they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither the, his image, neither received his mark, the mark of the beast, upon their foreheads or in their hands. It's telling you where it's coming. The forehead and in the hands. That they should live and reign with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of those that were dead, not the believers, the rest of those that were dead, live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, I mean the second people that died, there is no power. They shall be the priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This morning I want to talk to you on this idea. God's wake up call. God's wake up call. Father, to the very best of my ability. Father, I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice would not leave here like they came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, or lame. For the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You don't let them leave here today like they came in Jesus' name. God, this is the wake-up call for the church. And we need to hear from you today. Open the eyes, the hearts, and the ears of your people to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me say to you this morning what a beautiful crowd it is to see you in church. We have a lot that are out today for various reasons. Brother Marion uh, this morning read you a laundry list of needs in the house. but So many are out, but I am so thankful that you're here today. Those of us joining online, 
on live stream, whether on YouTube or on Facebook, we welcome you. Please like, comment. There'll be somebody there that will reply back to you and tell you they're glad you're here. Just let us know you're there, wherever you're from. You might be from another state. For all those that may be watching, I know we have some that watch in Oklahoma and some of those places. Anybody that's in the pathway of this storm that is coming through, just know that a church in South Carolina is praying for your safety. We're praying for God's providential hand to protect you, and we believe God is able to direct that storm and keep you safe there wherever you may be today. But we welcome you to church. You know, I have many times, whether it's been through camp meeting or whether it's been to other events, I have had the opportunities to stay in hotels. And if I've ever had to be somewhere at a certain time and I was afraid that maybe I would oversleep or I wouldn't hear the alarm clock go off on those little digital clocks they have in the hotel rooms that don't really make a lot of noise half the time and they don't work half the time and the time is wrong half the time, you can hit a button on that cellular, on that, that, that phone in the room. Normally it's about zero for the operator and it will call the front desk. And you can request what is known as a wake-up call for the front desk in the morning to alert you. And you say, I want to be a wake-up call at 6.30 in the morning. At 6.30 in the morning, the little red light on that phone starts flashing. It starts ringing obnoxiously and you're mad. Some of you pick it up and just slam it back down. You don't want to hear what they have to say. But if you pick it up and answer it, they will say, good morning. This was the wake-up call that you have requested. Can I tell you that even though we may as a church have not requested it, God right now is giving us a wake-up call. So we better either answer the call, or you can slam the call back down on the phone, the providential, you remember the old song, uh, uh, the royal telephone, it was an old song called a royal telephone. And they, uh, I think Charles Johnson and some of them used to sing that song. Uh, Central's never busy, always on the line. You can call on Jesus any time and it says at the end on that royal telephone right now God is using the royal telephone of heaven and he is alerting his church he is sending red signs if you will that proverbial red light flashing God has given us every wake-up call we can have we can do one of two things we can take the wake-up call and slam it in God's face and say not interested I don't want to hear what's on the other line of the phone or we can pick up the phone and hear the voice of the Lord speak to us and say, this is your wake-up call, church. If there's ever a time to get up, shut up, pray up, pack up, get ready to go up, now's the time. Pick up the phone and hear the voice of the Lord. Wake up and pick up the line. So what happens is most people, most church, take that phone that royal telephone, and they just hang it up before they hear the message. Pastor, I ain't got time for none of this foolishness. Pastor, I ain't got time to commit my life to Jesus. I'm busy. Pastor, I don't have time to come to church. I've got too much on my plate. Now, I'm not talking about people that are in COVID protocol. I'm talking about people who stay home because they got nothing better to do. I ain't talking about if you feel bad. Trust me, if you, I had a couple, so a couple people text me last night and say, Pastor, I got some sinus issues and things. I'm not sure. I said, stay home. I forgive you permission. If you are sick, stay home. I want you to stay home. I don't want it. I love you, and I don't want to see you when you're sick. Stay home. But I will say there are some people that are watching online churches right now. Maybe they're even watching me. They probably won't be in a few minutes, but they, were, they are right now. That some of them are watching the online stream services of church not because they're sick, not because they have to, but because they're lazy, they don't want to get their sorry behinds out of bed, they
They don't want to put their clothes on. They don't want to put any effort for God. No, they want God to do something for them, but they certainly don't want to put any effort for God. They don't want to have to be disfurnished. They don't want to have to be displaced. They don't want to have to do that. Now, I heard some, some people say, well, Pastor, I, I feel a little unsafe coming to church. I understand that. I respect that. I'm not talking about stuff where there are bona fide serious excuses. I'm talking about the people who have no reason they can go to work. They can go to Cracker Barrel. They can go to Outback. They can go to softball games. They can go to football games. Shoot, they can go sit out in public at the park with thousands of people, but they're afraid to come to church. Well, if you can go to work and you can go out to eat and you can go play sports, you can go to church. That's a wake-up call for the church. That's God's wake-up call. But we have men and women that are picking up the line. They don't have time, Pastor. They don't. I'm too busy. I, I, I'll serve God one day. I just don't have time for it to be today. Pastor, I can't commit to church because I, I got so much. Saturday's my only family day. Well, let me just go ahead and bust your bubble. I didn't come by here today to make friends, so I'll go ahead and just go ahead and not make any right now. If Sunday is your only day for family day, then what a better place to bring your family than the church. They don't need to be on the football field. They don't need to be on the softball field. They don't need to be bike riding in the park. They don't need to be golf cart riding in the community. If you say, well, the only day we have is Sunday for us to do it. That's the only day I'm off from work. Well, God's giving you a wake-up call. You better get your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You better get them in church, and you better, even if it's not this church, you better get them in a church, and you better let them hear the wake-up call from God because there's no, there's no golf caught riding in hell, there's no bike riding in hell, there's no softball tournament in hell, there's no football games in hell, no, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell, there's nothing else that's more important than making sure our family gets to heaven, church, that's what's important, the book of Revelation is a challenging and a complicated book, it's a hard book to understand for many one could spend months, weeks, maybe even years teaching through the contents of this sacred book. The book of Revelation is considered one of the most famous works of apocalyptic literature. That word apocalyptic literature is just about prophecy or foretelling. The word apocalypse in the Greek literally means revelation. This chapter that I read in Revelation 20 is thought by some to be one of the more darkest parts of the prophecy. It is something that has not yet happened, but, but it's something we need to be mindful of. Because there's a few things that this chapter, and I didn't read all of it, but, but there's a few highlights of this chapter. From verse three, from verse 1 to verse 3, we hear about the binding of Satan for a thousand years. Now, all the church wants to shout and run the aisles over that one. Woo! He, Satan's, he, Satan's bound. Woo! Let's shout, Pastor. Yeah, that's good. So you hear the rest of the chapter. Verse 4 and 6. The reign of the saints with Christ for a thousand years. Woo, Pastor, I'm all about getting a crown of life. I'm all about walking around and doing all this. Woo, Pastor, I'm all about being in leadership. I'm all about sitting on a throne. Woo, Pastor, I'm all about authority. So you keep reading. Verse 7 through 10, Satan gets out of prison. And he puts conflict between the church, known as Gog and Magog. A war breaks out. Gog and Magog. It's an all-out assault, the devil's last-ditch effort and attempt to destroy the things of God. It's his last chance, and he doesn't hold back. In verse 11 through 15, the book of life is opened, and the judgment of God is poured out on all the people 
those whose names in the book of life, praise God. But those that aren't, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. While we find the binding of Satan and the subsequent placement of him in the Abusos, which is literally translated the bottomless pit for a thousand years, Hades has often been described, hell, in the center of the earth where dead men go. While that's all good, the church that is ready will have a heavenly body and will be subjected no more to the deceptions of Satan because we will be in the presence of God in the peaceful millennial reign. But there's a lot of people that are not ready for that yet. They're not ready. If God should come right now, I mean right now, while some of us in here would be thanking God, some of you would be sad because some of your family you'd find out didn't make it. Some of your kids didn't go. Some of your grandchildren got left sitting in this building. In that children's church. They come out here at 12 o'clock looking for you only to find out you're not here because the rapture took place, but they're still here. Some of your siblings would not be with you. Maybe even some of your parents would not be with you. And I hate to say it, but maybe even some of you under the sound of my voice would not be with us because you'd still be sitting right here. Oh, no, Pastor, we're saved. No, no, no. I don't need you to think you're saved. I need you to know you're saved, not think it. You either got to know it or you don't know it. If you're on the fence, you better hope before this day lets out, you make it right with God. Don't be on the fence because you better not think it. You better know it. You better know it. We obviously are a Pentecostal church. We believe that the church is both pre-tribulational and also premillennial, which means we'll be out of here before the tribulation starts and we'll be doing the reign with Christ. I, I, I hear, yeah, I've heard people talk about saying, well, pastor, you know, are y'all pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation or post-tribulation? Well, I like to be pre-tribulation. I believe that. But if you're mid-tribulation, well, that's great. You can suffer for three and a half years and then catch up with me. If you're post-tribulation, you can stay here all seven years and figure it out and then still catch up with me. I plan on going before all of that happens. You do as you wish. You let me know when you get up there how it worked out for you. But I'm going to go on ahead and go when Jesus is ready. You do as you wish. Now, the Bible does say there will be some during the tribulational period that will get saved. But the Bible says basically in a nice way, if you couldn't do it now, it's going to be a whole lot harder to commit your life to Jesus Christ in the tribulation. So if you can't even do it now, you sure ain't got much of a Chinaman's chance then. Come on. Apparently, I'm the only one that's read the Bible and how this story ends. We believe that we'll be taken up from this sinful world. The worst of the worst will take place, but we won't be here. We state within our declaration of faith in Articles 13 and 14, we believe in the premillennial second coming of Jesus Christ, first to the resurrect of the righteous dead and the catching away or rapture of the living saints with him in the air, second in the reign of, of the, on the earth for a thousand years, in the bodily resurrection, eternal life for the righteous and eternal punishment and damnation for the wicked. It's in our core values we believe in it. I could spend hours, weeks, months, years trying to preach on Revelation. There are gifted men like Pastor Art and others who probably have years and years of more study and eschological knowledge of how things are going to end up that have been doing it for years that could do a due, due diligence and justice to the book of Revelation. I'm not here to this morning to preach all on prophecy to the point of, of literally just 
bombard you and and and, and put a, a field of minutia of, of, of information for you to walk out of here and, and staggering under the amount of information. But I did come by today to tell you it's time to wake up. Simple as that. I could bore you with all the big words and what's this is going to happen and how, and how the timeline's going to happen. And I could have you probably some of you so confused when you leave here, you'll be like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Let me break it down simply for you. Don't worry about that. Just wake up and make sure you're going. You know, I don't, you know, and this is what I'm about to say. I don't really care if you got a Ph.D. in philosophy. I don't care if you got a Ph.D. in biblical prophecy. I don't really care. I don't care if you even know how to understand the book of Revelation. Let me help you. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he is your personal Lord and Savior, none of that matters because you'll be gone before half of it gets started. So don't even worry about it. As long as you know Jesus, the rest of that doesn't really matter to you. The only problem you got to have is if you get left behind, now you got to figure out what you're going to do. But I don't plan on being here, so it really doesn't matter. It's a wake-up call. See, the first thing you got to understand is that the Bible tells us there was some deception going on in this passage. Notice what it said. That he bound up Satan that he could no longer deceive the nations no more. Which means prior to him being bound up, guess what he's doing? Deceiving the nations. Doesn't take a PhD in biblical prophecy to know what that means. He gets bound up to not deceive the nations no more. So if he's loose, he's obviously deceiving the nations. I hate to be the buff busting of bubbles this morning, but I hate to tell you, but you live in a nation that is deceived right now. You live in a world that's confused. I want to take it a step further and go ahead and bust all your little balloons so that you can all go here with a sour face because I busted all your balloons today and you got no pretty red one to take home. There's a lot of church people that are confused. There's a lot of churches that are confused. There's a lot of pastors that are confused. There's a lot of people preaching on your airwaves that are confused and don't know what to do. Hello. Deception. Everywhere. When Jesus walked on this earth, he gave a promise to the church. He chose a man with a loud mouth, so there's hope for me too. Praise God. There's hope for us all. Thank you, Jesus. He chose a man with a loud mouth. He chose a man with a quick temper. I know none of y'all have that, but if you do have that genetical gene, there's hope for you too. A man with a loud mouth, a man with a quick temper, a man that was more reactionary than logical many times to be the founding leader of the church named Simon Peter. He was quick tempered. He was more often than not reactionary than, than logical. More often than not, he was mad. He's angry. He was loud. He always would open his mouth, insert his foot. He always got himself in trouble. Anybody remember that guy? Here's what Jesus said. Peter, Cephas, call you a rock. I will build my church upon this rock. This rock, Peter, you will start it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care what happens in the world. I come by to remind somebody that if you are the blood-bought church of the redeemed upon this rock, Christ Jesus, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, other ground is sinking sand. If you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, nothing else matters because the devil can throw anything he wants, but hell will not prevail against it. It will not. It will not. 
Revelation 20, Satan's deceiving. Matthew 20 and 24, Jesus starts describing the dark days that are ahead. Let's see if any of this resonates with the people of God today. Matthew 24, verse 6. You will hear of war, rumors of war. Anybody been watching what's going on in Afghanistan? It's coming, church. You can say I'm a prophet or not. It's coming. War is getting ready to happen. They're sending military people over there. We got out only to send them back. Well, if we'd have left them there to start with, we wouldn't be having to go back. Duh. I don't even have to be president to tell you that was dumb. Hello. There's going to be war. You let terrorists take back over and then you say, well, if you let us get our people out, we'll let you just do what you want to do. They're going to plan something. They ain't that compliant. They got a plan. War and rumors of war. Verse 7, nations and kingdoms will be at odds against one another. Anybody seen that going on? Not only are nations and kingdoms at odds against one another, nations are at odds within themselves. And if you don't believe it, you're living in one of those nations that's with odds within themselves. Verse 7, you'll hear of famines, earthquakes, pestilence will abound. Well, we've seen famines plenty of time. Not too long ago, Africa got invaded with locusts, just tearing up crops with pestilence. I mean, they were eating crops faster than they could plant them. Earthquakes were happening, I think it was a year ago, or it might have been two years now. They were having earthquakes under the sea and causing problems, tsunamis and other things to take place and destroying things because earthquakes were happening all the time. Everywhere. Verse 9. Many will be killed. Do I need to take you back to Afghanistan? 13 men lost their lives, or 13 servicemen lost their lives. Countless others that got killed from the other nations. There's no telling, and we've seen it already on the news, there's no telling how many countless Christians have already been murdered over there for their faith. Many are being killed right now around the world for their faith. Matthew 24 told us it's going to happen. It says, and then the days when the Son of Man come again. These are the things you've got to be looking for. I'm only halfway through the chapter. Verse 10. Many will be offended and hate one another. My God. Are we not there now? You can't even say something without offending somebody. You can't say, I don't really like your shirt. Oh, you ain't got no one talking to me about my shirt. I can come back to your church because you said I don't like my shirt. We get offended over the stupid, I mean the stupidest stuff. Stupid stuff. His boat's nicer than my boat. I ain't talking to him. He wants to flaunt his money on the tail race. I don't care. If he runs out of gas, just like you run out of gas, he's stuck on the tail race. Everybody's got to put gas in the boat. Shut your mouth. Let it go. Who cares? Who cares? We get offended over stupid stuff. They got a promotion. I didn't. Well, yeah, but when they have to work longer hours and they find out they weren't qualified for the job and they get let go, do you want to still have a job or not? See, there are things we always look for all the negative things. We can't, we can't even get along with each other. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the world. Shoot, that's happening in the church. They sat in my seat. They didn't sing my song. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. We, 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 churches can't even. Churches across the street from one another. You know, there's so many churches that literally came out of one mother church and they split off and went to all these other churches because they couldn't get along with the same church. 
Five churches in the geographical area all came from the mother church, but none of them like each other, so they all split off. So then the first church split off to this church, but this church got mad, so number church number two is now church number two and three. Number three got mad with each other, so they're now three and four. Number four got mad, so now we got one, two, three, and four, and they all came from the same location. They all know each other. Half of them are family. Hello, preacher. They can't even go to the family reunion without getting mad at each other. They starting churches left and right because they don't know which family side they want to be on. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today, I can promise you. Offended, hate one another. False prophets claiming to be the voice of God. Boy, I wish I had time to preach there today. How many pastors and preachers right now are giving the world false representation of what it means to be a man of faith or a woman of God? People right now are just preaching what they want you to hear so that you'll pay into their little coffin of tithe funds and give them a little bit more money and make them be more famous with their book sales as they're selling their you know, New York bestseller book on the table out front after church on Sunday morning to make sure that they can pay for their Starbucks coffee next week on you and, and, and you're just buying into it and you're sowing seeds in their ministry and things like that. There's a lot of men and women that are standing behind church sacred lecterns and pulpits but I promise you they're not declaring what thus saith the word of the Lord. You better know who you're listening to. You better know who you're letting speak into your life. And you better not let anything and everything speak into your life. Period. Man, I, I felt like I'm just going to be looking for a new job when this is over. I don't know where the sign company is that did all those letters, but I sure hope they know how to make one that just is blank and just puts them up over my name when this is over. I'll be homeless. If all else fails, I can go teach school. God will provide. Verse 12, Matthew 24, iniquity shall abound. You know what iniquity is? Sin. You know, we living in a world full of sin, y'all. Homosexuality, transgender biases, can't use certain gender pronouns. We can't decide if we're LGBT or Q questionable. What is questionable? You got to be some category. What do you mean I'm questioning what I am? What in the world? That sounds stupider than they sound. Come on, y'all. We got all this confusion going on. Iniquity, sin's abounding. But the Bible said, where sin abounds? Grace. Well, I'm the only one ever read the Bible. Okay. I'll just tell you what it says. Where sin doth abound, grace much more abounds. So let me just go ahead and tell you this real quick before I pick up the rest of this real quick. If we're living in this bad of sin in the world, and we're living with this much pandemonium and chaos going on in the world, if it's this bad now, then what you should as the church, you and I as the church should be thanking God every day that where sin doth abound, grace there much more so abound. So if the world is this bad, how much of the grace of God are we being given? How much of the grace of God is being overshadowed in this world? How much of the grace of God has been over our families and protecting them, giving them one more week to make it right with God? One more week for our spouse to get saved. One more week for our daughter or son to get saved. One more week for my grandchildren to get in church. If there's that much sin in the world, then how much more grace is God given? us right now how much more you say well pastor I don't know if I can buy in all this stuff you ain't got to buy into it but you're going to be sadly disappointed if you don't you're going to be disappointed because I'm telling you you don't have to believe it you can think this is a bunch of crock I'm just on some little self-righteous high horse and none of this is going to happen but I'm telling you as sure as I'm standing here it's going to happen you can do whatever you want to with it but it's going to happen Verse 12, the love of many 
will wax cold. That's talking about church people. People that one, one time said, oh, I love God with all my heart, with all my heart. They would wax cold. Do I even need to preach there? How many people have been in, forget other churches, we'll just say our church. That their love for God wax cold. They're not in church today. They're not serving God today. They're not in somebody else's church. If they were, thank God, at least they're in church. But some of them ain't going nowhere because their love waxed cold. And we better be careful because the Bible said that if God didn't shorten the very days, even we would wax cold and the elect would be deceived. They wax cold. Verse 22. The Bible said that unless the days were shortened, that we would be deceived. Verse 22 and 24 said that if it were possible... That the very elect believers would fall victim and, and become victimized to the deceptive schemes of the devil. They'd be deceived. Deception. Deceived. Can I tell you we're living in a day right now where church people are questioning church. Church people are questioning their faith. Church people are questioning God. Church people are questioning the move of the Holy Spirit. Church people are questioning the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Church people are questioning, do I have to live a sanctified life? Church people are questioning, how close can I get to sin without getting burnt? Church people are questioning their own faith. There's too many people that know better that are questioning the things of God. They're questioning it. The world we're living in right now is getting worse, not better. It's more complex, it's more complicated, it's more confused than it's ever been and ever in human history. There are no such things as standards anymore. There's no such thing as standards, there's no such thing as morals anymore. You can kill your brother in cold-blooded murder. But if you get the right defense attorney and you can kind of make them feel like you were justified, you can walk scot-free from cold-blooded murder. You can lie on people, backbite on people, gossip about people, slander people, sleep around with other people that you ain't rightfully supposed to be with to start with. Get around and get, and get by with it. I just want to go ahead and say this and just go ahead and put it out there. You, you can't. You can't be having adultery with the devil all week and expect to be the bride of Christ on Sunday morning. You can't be having affairs all week and want to be a purified bride come Sunday. God's not looking for a date. He's looking for a bride. Let that sink in. God's not looking for a date. He's not walking around just saying, well, I wish somebody would take me out to coffee on Tuesday night. No. He's looking for the companionship, the bride of Christ. He's not looking for a date. He's looking for a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. He's looking for a bride, not a date. But too many people are out living in the world, shacking up and making out with the devil all week in sin. They want to walk in here on Sunday morning and act like they're pure before God. God can't bless that mess. That's the deception this world is in. They believe that. They actually believe that's possible. Church people believe that's possible. There's no standards. There's no morals. There's no absolute truth. We are living in a demonic-filled age. Now, I'm going to say this before I close here in just a second. 
part of this I heard online. It, it cut me to the core, and I thought, you know what? This I was already working on this sermon, but I thought, my Lord, this couldn't have fit more better with this sermon. So if you get mad about what I'm about to say, just know I wasn't the original author of it. So you'll have to write the guy that did it instead, not me. But I will say it's pretty fitting for what I was talking about today. And I was like, man, I don't know if God's just talking to me or I'm just this lucky. But man, he's, uh, he's thinking what I was already writing down. That's crazy. We in America are already divided. This stuff you see on the news, this ain't, it ain't about racial tension. That's just, that's just what they're masking it as. It ain't racism. Racism is not the issue. That's the symptom. The issue is actually sin. The symptom is called racism. It's not racism. In fact, I'll tell you what we're dealing with right now is far beyond racism. It's not black versus white. It's bigger than that. It's not about gender neutral pronouns and sexual identity. It's bigger than that. It is nothing more than a demonic spirit that's been attacking the church of the living God trying to get us to put up and shut up. It wants to keep us bound. It wants to keep us quarantined. It doesn't want us to sing in church. It doesn't want us to call sin, sin. It doesn't want us to love our brother because the Bible said God's not the author of confusion, but he's all about how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. So if we're, not, if we're divided in terms of racism, if we're trying to call out sin and sexual issues as sin, the devil is trying to launch an all-out assault to stop the church and shut it up. You know how it's a demon? I'll tell you how I know it's a demon. Because it keeps moving. It never stops with one thing. It's not just one thing. It just keeps circulating. A year and a half ago, black versus white. A year ago, him and her to them and they. And it. One year it's this. And that doesn't work. The next year it's that. This year, it's vaccinated versus unvaccinated. You hear what I'm about to say. If you want to get a shot, get a shot. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I'm all about that. If you don't feel like you need to take the shot because of whatever the reasons you and your doctor talk about, so be it. If you don't feel like you need to wear a mask, that's between you and God and whatever you want to do. But for the love of the Lord, quit trying to judge other people for the decisions they make. Just let, let people make their choices and shut up about it. The church better get an eye on this demon, I'm telling you, because here's what's going to happen. It's a spirit of division and divisiveness. It is a scheme the devil has been plotting under his... It's bigger than Joe Biden. Joe Biden's just a pawn. It's the devil. Church, it's the devil. We're the church of the living God. The Bible said we should be the discerner of spirits. The problem is the church doesn't know how to discern spirits anymore because we're not that spiritual anymore. You'll let that sink in in a minute. The devil wants us to be mad at each other hollering at each other, yelling at each other. He wants us to not trust one another. He wants us to not love one another. He wants us to get angry in our hearts and have malice on our tongue. He wants us to be like, you don't love me because you didn't get vaccinated and you don't trust God because you did get vaccinated. You ain't got a mask on so you don't care about people and you got a mask on so you must don't have any faith. Just stop it in the name of Jesus. We are the blood-bought church of the redeemed. We are called by God according to his purpose. Let God be God and every man be a liar. We better call the deception what it is and get back off of Facebook. Put our face back in the book and get a hold to God. That's what we better do. We better get back to God. 
We are the body of Christ. We should stop the division, the divisiveness. Doesn't matter how many times you invoke the name of Jesus. You ran on Facebook. You bash your brothers and sisters. You slander them. You talk about them behind their back. And then you come to church and want to praise God. God can't bless that mess. He can't. Might as well just save your shout and get to an altar and repent because you're hindering God's move. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I can't help what they decide. I don't care what CDC says. I don't believe the CDC further. I could pick you up and throw you right now. I'm not saying they don't have good qualities. Maybe they do, but they've lied so much. And when you lie too many times, it's hard to believe a liar. Hello. There comes a point, even when a liar tells the truth, you don't know if it's the truth because they lied too much, so you don't know what to believe. Miss Carol makes her way, so I'll salvage this before I lose my job. Pick up part two next week just so that I don't give it all to you today, so at least I have one more week. Then I'll start looking for one. Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you, that every idle word that a man speaks, he will give an account on the day of judgment. You may not matter. You could you say, well, Pastor, I didn't say it. I posted it. You put it, you coin it however way you want to. Said it, posted it, tweeted it, hashtagged it, whatever you want to call it. You'll give an account before God one day for all of it. Pastor, they didn't even see it. I didn't even use any names. I just said, you know who you are. Yes, and God knows who they are too, so you'll be answering to him, not me. God knows who they are too. Luke 16 and 2. Every man will give an account of their stewardship. Luke 16 and 10. He that is faithful in that which he is least is faithful also in much. But he that is unjust and wicked in the little will also be unjust and wicked with much. If God can't trust you with small things, why do you think he's going to trust you with bigger things? Oh, Lord God, I want more of your spirit. Why, you're doing, a, you're doing a bad job handling what little bit he's given you. Why would you want him to do more? Romans 14 and 12. So then each of us shall give an account of ourselves before God. There's been a motto that I've heard many companies use and have heard it all my life. What you permit, you promote. If you allow them to stay under your roof watching smut on TV and listening to music they shouldn't be listening to and downloading stuff on their iPads and they shouldn't be downloading and doing that. If they're under your house and you're letting them do it, you ain't got nobody to blame but you and God because you tell God all about it, but you're the reason that they're doing it. Joshua said it this way, I don't care what the rest of y'all do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Y'all do what you need to do, but my house ain't doing that mess. You listen to this pastor very carefully. Well, I'll come back to that. Today's world is deceived, disturbed, and in despair. We are at warfare. The Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament declares there will be tension between God and the devil, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell, the blood-bought church and the sinister schemes of Satan. Revelation 20 and 3 said nations would be deceived. But if a nation returns to God, I promise you it will not start at Buckingham Palace. It will not start on the throne of another kingdom. It will not start in a governor's mansion. It will not start at the White House. If there ever was a time for a nation to return to God, the Bible said that a righteous nation will exalt God. It will not start in a White House. It's got to start in God's house. It's got to start with God's people. We've got to get it right. We've got to love one another. We've got to figure it out before we expect the world to do it. 
God's not Democratic or Republican. He's a judge. It's a big difference. He's not a donkey. He's not an elephant. He's a lion from the tribe of Judah. And he's a lamb that was slain for the sins of the world and redemption of all man. He will judge every lie, murder, and sin that ever happens. His house should be called the house of prayer. And it should be a place of influence in society. We should be influencing the world rather than the world influencing what we do. But right now we're having the opposite effect. They're, they're influencing us rather us influence them. God said to you what you permit, you promote. I normally wouldn't say stuff like what I'm about to say. But as I was praying and thinking about it today and last night laying in the room just going over the sermon in my head it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks you don't have to like it it's okay I'm just going to tell you I'm going to hit it I'm going to run and get you out of here band if you want to make your way so we can go ahead and play the benedictory prayer because I'm going to need to move as fast as possible after I'm done with this give them a few extra seconds so I got safety so I can go ahead and sing right after this and run what you permit you promote them go to the movie theaters and watch Fifty Shades of Grey, and you let them watch it in your house, don't be surprised if they end up pregnant. Don't come to my office and ask me about it. Don't, don't come ask me about it. Because you know what I'm going to start asking? I'm going to start asking, well, what kind of mu music they listen to? I don't know, Pastor. Problem number one, you better know. If they in your house, it's your right to know. If they live under your roof, it's your right to know. Now, they grow up. They get out on their own. You may not can control it, but while they're with you, you certainly can. You better know. And if they come to your house just as grandkids to visit, I can't help what your mama, you need to learn this line. I'm going to help every grandparent here with a special line. I can't help what your mama and daddy does, but when you in this house, you're going to play by our rules. You better learn that statement. Just because mama and daddy permit it don't mean you got to sign off on it. What you permit, you promote. I preached to you a couple weeks ago about the Satan shoes. You let them watch stuff like that so that what you permit, you promote. Problem. You let them watch TV shows and movies that every other word has to be bleeped out there. Using this explanative and that explanative and this curse word and that curse word. Don't get mad when they get sent home from school because they cut somebody out and the teacher's principal sent them home because of their foul language. Don't come to me, Pastor. I need you to pray. They just got so bad. They're just so combative, and they're just saying stuff they shouldn't be saying. What movies they watch? Well, I don't know. Problem again. Should have known. If you're pulling $20 out your wallet to send them with their buddies, you better know where their buddies are taking them. Because you just paid for them to go do sin if they're not, if they do something you didn't approve of. You say, if they say, well, Daddy, I'm going to the movies with my boyfriend, or Daddy, I'm going to the movies with my girlfriend, you know, your first question better be, what movie? Where are you going? Because as soon as you transfer that $20 out of your hand to them and say go have fun but you don't ask any questions, you know what you've just done? You've aided and abetted their potential sin. You paid for it. You paid for them to do it. You did. You sent them a little Johnny or a little Sally all along in the movie theater and didn't ask no questions. They got AirPods in and listening to music. You don't know what they're listening to. You know, every so often say, hey, let me see your iPad. Let me see your iPod. Let me see this. Scroll through the music. If all the words are blank this and blank that, sex this and drugs that and drunk this and drunk that. Don't get mad when they're 16 years old and 
they get a DUI and you call me, Pastor, can you send us on jail? I, I got to get them out. But the, I don't know what happened to them. They, I, raised, I, I thought I was raising them right there drunk. They, they got a DUI. They hit somebody. They killed somebody. They did this. They did that. Well, I'll be sympathetic and I'll be glad to come and pray. I'm going to ask you, what, what kind of songs do they listen to? What kind of music do they listen to? Because if they've been listening to that's all it's okay and you allowed it to happen, then what did we expect to happen? Well, you permit. You Don't expect that if you never pray, that your kids will grow up and be prayer warriors. Hello. Testing. Testing one. Testing one. Don't expect your children to rise up and be prayer warriors if they've never seen you ever pray. Don't expect your grandchildren to know how to find the book of Psalms in a Bible if they've never seen you open up a Bible and read one for yourself. Don't expect your children, your grand, don't expect your wife or your husband to want to come know Jesus when you're not showing the love of Jesus yourself to them. Don't expect the wayward spouse to want to come know Jesus when they don't see Jesus in you and you claim to have him. Hello. Don't expect your family to flood the altars to repentance when you can't admit you've got sins in your life. When they know you got a speck in your eye, but you're looking at the two, well, you got they got a speck in their eye, but you're looking at the two by four there. You better know how to get to the altar first before you tell them what they got wrong. Don't expect them to want to get saved when they don't know, when they don't see you willing to come off of your pride and say it differently. What you permit? The devil's busy right now. He's busy. And I hate to say this really kind of disappointed to have to say it. The devil's busy and the church is lazy. That's the problem. You let us call prayer meet and see how many come back. Not 50 some people. <laughs> 10? If I'm lucky. But pastor, we got busy lives. We got jobs. We got this. Got to get the kids in bed. That's great, but eternity? We might should have let them get in bed at 8.45 instead of 8.15 if it meant they could go to heaven one day. Hello? bottom line is this the church is just sitting idly by and the devil is still playing his game and we're just sitting there watching it happen but nothing about it before we sing the benedictory prayer I just want to remind you of this if I can get it to pull up you can be standing all over the house I'm not sure if it'll let me pull it up today it may not Don't say I didn't come by and give you a wake-up call. You don't have to agree with anything I said today, and that's fine. You're not going to be able to leave out of this church. Even if you should die on your bed of affliction or have a massive heart attack today at home, you'll never be able to stand before God's throne room and say, I didn't know, God. I didn't know. I told you today, you better make sure you got it right. God's giving you a chance. Today is the day, not tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. You better get it right today. This is your wake-up call. I don't know. It might be some of y'all's final call. It might be your final wake-up call. It may not be. But you better know when you leave here today, you got it right because I can't promise you tomorrow. You better get it right. So here's what I want to do. We're going to sing it here in just a second. Put your head bowed and eye closed. I'm going to give you one chance. I ain't waiting all day. I'm hungry just like you're hungry, and I'm not begging anybody. But for so long, if you say to me, Pastor, I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. 
saved, Pastor. I I was saved, but I'm not so sure I am now. Or you say, Pastor, I think I'm saved. Pretty sure I'm saved, but I want to make sure that I am saved just in case. If you are any one of those categories, never been saved, saved but lost it, or you think you're saved but you're just not 100% sure and you want to make sure, I've given you one shot. One shot. Here's your moment. You come up here to this altar and you let me pray with you. One shot. I'm going to start counting back from 10. If nobody moves by the time I get done from 10, then it's on you and God. 10, 9, 8. That's fine. You better make sure. 7, 6. There's one coming. 5, 4. You better make sure this might be your final call. 4, Two have made it. Three. Don't you walk out of here. You better make sure. You, had, you you might go back to a home that's no longer there. You might go back to a friend that's no longer there. You might go back to a spouse that's no longer You may go back to nothing. Nothing. You better make sure. Three. There's another one's come. Two. Last call. Last call. Two. Two. I'm going to give you one more chance. You better hurry up. One. Is there any more? One more's coming. Are there any more? You better hurry up. You better hurry up. God's calling. God's calling. One. Let's close. Now watch this. We're getting ready to pray. Now you know how long I waited and I gave you time, 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 time. God's given every one of us plenty of time, but when Gabriel blows the trumpet, he's not waiting any longer. I kept saying, oh, just keep coming. Come on, come on, come on. God's not going to fail you. God's given you all this time to come. As soon as Gabriel plays the first note on that trumpet, there's no more time. Time's gone up. It's over. There is no more time. God gave you time. Time's up. So my last time, I'm going to say this. Did anybody miss that moment? If you did, that's your moment. That's your moment. And we got men and women standing in this altar with me today. I don't know which one of those categories they fit in. They've either never been saved, been saved but not sure where they are now, or they are saved but they just need to make sure because they didn't want to leave here uncertain. But there's five people standing before me in one of those categories. Here's the moment. Put up or shut up for the church. We better pray that these people get it right today. Because their soul might be hanging in the balance. Their eternity might be in the balance. So and, and, and being cognizant and prudent of COVID, trying to be COVID convalescent, I'm not going to ask you to move. I'm going to ask you to reach your hand and stretch out your hands towards somebody. They, they're all right here, right in front of me. You just stretch it towards them. I don't care which person you're praying for. You can pray generically. I'll pray specifically. But you better pray like you've never prayed before. They get it right today. They began to sing today.
beside me right here just for a moment. Brother James, you stand beside me. Lock hands with me. You don't mind. We got hand sanitizer. I'll get your hand sanitizer as soon as we're done. have been saved and they just need to be confirmed that they were going to make it. They might have been saved one time before and they failed for grace and they're not where they need to be with the Lord now. Maybe they've never given. I'm not going to put them on the spot and ask them to tell you which category they're in, but I'm telling you one thing. Even if the rest of you standing here ain't going, six of us are going today, so the rest of y'all figure out what you're doing because we're going. We're going. We're going. Because I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care what category they're in, but from that gentleman all the way to the end down here, Six of us make sure today we're going. The devil can do whatever he wants, but for these gentlemen and these precious ladies, along with me, we're going. The Bible said how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I, I'm not talking to the rest of you right now. I'm talking to my five friends standing beside holding hands. I'm holding your hands for a reason. I know there's COVID. I'll be sanitizing when I get out of here praying that God will keep you to be safe too. But I'm holding your hand for a reason. I ain't letting you fall this time. I got your hand. You ain't falling through the cracks this time. I may not can go to Florida, I may not can go to Greenville, I may not can go to your places on the boat, I may not be able to get to you, but spiritually my hand's going to be locked in yours, you ain't going to fall this time, I got you, I got you, with God's help, I got you, with God's help, I'm praying for you, with God's help, I'm going to hold you up in prayer, lift you up, because even if I can't go to your house, even if I can't go to your bed, even if I can't walk into a hospital room and you get sick, all those that are battling COVID in the hospital, I may not can get there, but there is a hand that can unseen hand that can walk in a hospital room, can walk in a bedroom, my God, I feel him, can walk in every situation and make sure you make it to the end. I remember a song that I used to sing as a kid. It said, you put your hand in the hand of a man who steals the water. Put your hand in the hand of a man that comes to see. You take a look at yourself and you'll look at others differently when you put your hand in the hand of a man from Galilee. Well, let me tell you who his name is. I just want to go ahead and tell you real quick. Let me help the church in case they don't know his name's Jesus. That's all you got to know. Jesus. You know who the man is? Jesus. You know who the man is? Jesus. You give, you put your hand in Jesus. It don't matter if every Sunday I hold your hand or not. God's got a hand on you. You hold on to God's unchanging hand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. My God, I feel him.
couldn't have done it. Any other man could have preached it. Any other person could have played it and sung it. But nobody could have done what you did. Anybody can sing, anybody can play, anybody can preach, but nobody can do what only God you can do. <laughs> so God, thank you for being God. Thank you for being God. <laughs> oh God, I love you. Thank you. God, it's not, a, it's not an easy message to preach at times. It's hard. But God, I thank you that you confirm your word. And I've got if there's nothing else, God, five people today are going to go to heaven with me. God, thank you. Thank you five more people are out of death, the devil's grasp, and out of Satan's schemes and devices. Five more people have made it to heaven. They've crossed over to the winning side. They've come on the right team. God, thank you today. Father, I love you. God, as we remain in the spirit of prayer, and I ask Brother Randy Erschberger to close out this service, God, bring us safely back at our next appointed time tonight at 6 o'clock to hear from you today. God, I love you and I praise you, and I forever give you glory and honor. Father, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. I forever thank you. In Christ's name, Brother Randy, as you pray our benedictory prayer, God bless you. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank Hallelujah. you and praise your holy name, Lord, for your presence today and your touch. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done with us, go with us to our boat. Lord, help us to further your kingdom. Help us to do as you would have us to do. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name.